Holy Spirit, do fill this place, fill these hearts. Take your word right now and magnify Jesus in our midst. This is our need. This is our prayer. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be opening up your Bibles to James chapter 4. If you haven't already, if you've been with us uh, on these past Sunday mornings, you realize that's where we are going verse by verse through the book of James. And especially as we've gotten here in James chapter 4, it's, uh, sometimes it's been half a verse by half a verse because we've really slowed down with these rhythms, with these commands, uh, several commands that are given, actually eight different commands uh, that he gives in these verses, uh, beginning in, in verse 7 that we've been looking at, uh, these rhythms of faith. And so let me back up into verse 7, and I'm going to read down through verse 10, which is where we are in this uh, number 7 uh, of these eight rhythms, and we'll be focusing in on verse 10 this morning. Verse 7 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And that's what we talked about last week, verses uh, 8 and 9 there. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And that's where our focus is this morning. We are looking at these rhythms of faith. They are patterns, if you will, of personal revival. That's what we mean by rhythms. They're, they're a part, they ought to be a part of our, our, our daily life. They ought to be a part of our daily walk with God. This is what revival looks like in the heart of an individual in the heart of a, of a man or a woman that has experienced revival, this is what it will look like. They have, uh, those of us that have a real faith in God, that have a real relationship with God, it produces salvation, not just going to heaven when we die, <coughs> but a life with Jesus here on this earth. And this is what that life looks like. It looks like a life that is submitted to God. It looks like a life that is not going along with the devil and, and working with the devil, but is resisting uh, the devil in his life. It looks like a life that continually is drawing near to God and he is drawing near to them. It looks like a, a life of, of, of people that are continually going through this cleansing process where their hands are cleansed and their hearts are pure and they grieve over the sin in their life. And then it also looks like a life of humility, a life of humility. You know, we were taught last week about this cleansing of sin, about this purifying our hearts and the, how we ought to grieve over sin. And when you talk about sin, when you look at sin that, that is addressed in the Bible, all sin is serious, all sin Jesus paid for on the cross. So you could say all sin drove the nails in his hands and in his feet. He, he paid the price for all. So all sin is serious, but especially when you come to the sin of pride. 
Because you could really say it's really the root of so much of our sin, that so much of our sin, if not all of our sin, in in some way or another, can be connected to pride, can be connected to a, a, a life of pride. Pride separates us from God. God is not prideful. As a matter of fact, we have no reason to be prideful uh, about anything. Pride says, I can do it myself. Pride says, I don't need any help. Pride Pride says, I don't need God. And so pride in and of itself separates us from God. It is the middle letter of pride is that the letter I, and that's where you live a life that where I am the God of my life. I'm in control of my life. I'm making these decisions for my, my life, and that's going to remove you just by, by saying those things and acting out in that way removes you from a God who loves you and cares for you. Pride separates us from, from God, and also pride condemns us because how, how audacious is that? How arrogant is that for me to say to God, I don't need you? I can handle this. I mean, he's the creator. He's the one that, that made us. And if you don't believe that, join with us on Wednesday nights uh, at 6.30 in the fellowship hall. That's what we're talking about there. We're going through Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and the truth of the word of God uh, as it is shared there. He is our creator. He made us. Not only did he do that, but he gave his son to die on the cross for our pride. And for us to embrace that, how arrogant of us to to do that. I can't think of anything that would be a greater offense to a holy, loving, sacrificial God than for us to say, I don't need you. I don't want you. Condemns. Matter of fact, in the churches in the first chapters of Revelation, Jesus has letters that he writes to different churches and some of the churches may not be as familiar, but most of us, if you've been around church long, you've heard about the church of Laodicea, the lukewarm church. But you know what? that lukewarm church, it wasn't just that they were lukewarm, but the reason for their lukewarmness was their pride. They told God, they said, we have everything we need. We have need of nothing. And then it was that pride, that that saying to God, we don't need you, we've got this covered. A church, a, a, a people saying that, saying we don't need anything, we don't need your help. That's what caused God to spew them out of his mouth. Pride. Pride, you could say pride is triple trouble. Because... We're pulled toward pride in so many ways because, first of all, you have the satanic pride. That is the the root of Satan's sin. That is the arrogance that he will not bow the knee to Jesus. Matter of fact, that's why he was cast out of heaven and why he troubles us so much is because he said, I want to be as God. Ah, ah, ah. That's what the sin of pride is what cast him out of heaven. And so when he tempts us, he tempts us in pride. He wants us to to give in to pride. That's what he uh, appealed to with Adam and Eve. And, And when he said, you know, God is hiding things from you. And if you'll 
eat of that tree of knowledge, you will become as a God. You will know what God knows. And so he appealed to their pride. And so Satan is working in us trying to appeal toward our pride. So we got satanic pride. We got fleshly pride. That's what our flesh is all about. Our flesh is independent. The sin of Adam and Eve affects us even today where we are constantly having to overcome that pull within us that, that wants to do it ourselves, that, that wants to promote ourselves, that wants self to look good and will lie and deceive and, and, and play hypo- the, the part of the hypocrite in our lives because of this pride. We have fleshly pride. We have satanic pride. And the world is filled with pride and wants us to join them in their prideful displays. That's triple trouble. Every day, every week, we are being pulled by satanic pride, by fleshly pride, by the pride of this world. But God offers a triple solution because we have a Father that can overcome our pride and He overcomes it with sacrificial love and grace that in spite of our pride, He never gives up on us. He never turns His back on us. We have the love of the Father that will not give up on us. And we have the sacrifice of the Son that every bit of pride we've ever had in our lives and ever done in our lives, Jesus died for that. Jesus has already paid the price for that. So we have the sacrifice of the Son, and then we have the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes into our lives, and he is constantly magnifying Jesus and putting to death our flesh. The triple solution can always overcome the triple trouble. And so laying that foundation, let's look at this rhythm number seven here where he says to us to humble ourselves. Verse 10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. What a promise. What a promise he has. First of all, we see the command that is here, this command of humility where he says there in verse 10, he starts off and gives the command to humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. What does he mean by humble? What is this activity of of humility? When he says humble, we we know what that means. The word literally means, it means to to make ourselves low, to to take something down. It's the idea of of leveling a building and and taking it down to the, the foundation. It means for us personally, that we, we bow down, that we put ourselves down before him. It means that self must go down. It means that flesh must go down. It means that I, me, must go down. Not living a life about me, but living a life about God. That's what it means to humble ourselves. It is the idea that, that I am nothing, that I am absolutely nothing. With I mean, I, I have nothing to offer God. I, have, I cannot... Fix my, my life. I cannot uh, redeem my, my own life. I, cannot, I don't have the wisdom to lead my own life. I may, there are times when my pride says that I do, but then when I step out and do those things, I realize I don't. I'm absolutely nothing. But he is absolutely everything. And that's what humility teaches both of those things, that yes, I am nothing, But he is everything. 
and he comes into my life. Because he is everything I believe and I recognize I am nothing. I don't pretend to be something. I admit and I acknowledge that I am nothing because he is everything. And here's this activity of humility. He gives a command here. It is a command. It is in the imperative tense here where he says, humble yourselves. That means that that it requires movement. When he gives a command, that means we're supposed to do something. We're, we're supposed to humble ourselves. It implies activity, that there are choices we have to make. There's conscious decision with every command. There must be a conscious decision to say, I want to obey this. I want to live this out in my life. And a life that has, has, has is lived out in relationship with Jesus, this is what it will look like. A life that's been touched by the reviving, giving God, this is what it will look like. It'll say, I want to deny myself, take up my cross daily, and follow him. I want to live a life of humility before him. So humility is what? Humility is to surrender all that we are, to surrender, to, to let God be all in me and do all in me. That's what humility is. And that's the activity of humility. But there's also an urgency of humility. Because as he, he gives this command, what is he saying? He's saying, we're not humble. We, we have pride in our lives. We, we have the, the big eye of pride is me. And so I, I, I have to deal with this. I have to recognize this. It is something I need God to set me free from. I need God to do this work. There's an urgency that is there. There's a serious problem when pride is present in my life and I act out, even do religious things, but I do it out of pride. That's a problem. That separates me from God. That, that offends God. That is that is. A, a serious thing as far as my relationship with God is concerned. And so he gives this command to humble ourselves, but he gives it uh, in the, the aorist tense here as it's an aorist imper imperative. And that means it is talking about a point action where he's not just talking about that we grow in humility, although there is a growing process, but he's saying right now be humble. Right now humble yourselves. Right now, there's an urgency there. It is God as he's giving us this in his word. He is saying, this is something you must do. Yes, there is a choice involved, but the choice is, are you going to walk with God or are you not? Are you going to honor God or are you not? If you're going to honor God, if you're going to live for God, if you're going to walk with God, then you must choose to be humble. You must choose humility in your life. It's absolutely essential absolutely essential there's an urgency to humility but then there's the the truth and the recognition that there's a inability of humility because if you ever try this say i'm gonna be humble i'm gonna be humble i'm gonna be humble it just doesn't work Part of it is because you're starting off that sentence with, I'm going to, I'm going to. <laughs> it just, it's being humble. I mean, even some of some people are shy. Some people don't like to be out front and, uh, and, and do things, which, you know, as a preacher, I'm up here doing this and, and God's called me and God's gifted me in some ways. But really, 
I'm, I'm not that outgoing of a, of a person. I, I'm, I have to consciously push myself toward that and, and not just consciously push myself toward that, but let God do that work in, in, in my life because it's, it's, it's not a, a, a natural thing to, to do that. We are unable to, 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 to live this life that God has called us to. So when it looks at this, the, some want to say this, is a, this, this command here to humble ourselves is in the middle voice. That's why it has the word yourselves. The word yourselves is not actually in the Greek text, but the word there to humble, uh, and if it's in the middle voice, that's what it would mean. It's something that you do for yourself or something you do to yourself. The middle uh, would reflect that back upon yourself. So we're saying humble yourselves, but but I don't know that this is actually a middle verb uh, here that is, is there because the ending that is on here can not only mean mi- middle, but it can remain also mean uh, passive. It can be a passive verb. Now, I'm, I'm giving you an English lesson here, but it's very important that we understand this. By the problem, the reason it's not translated passively here is because... Passive and imperative don't go together. When you tell somebody to do it, you want them to do it, right? And so it's not something that you want. Passive is something that you're receiving. It's that idea. And so you want it to be active or at least active in, in, in the middle voice where you want them to do it for themselves and do it. Passive and imperative doesn't go together. It doesn't go together out there in the world, but it really goes together in the Bible. Well, this is what I mean by that. I mean, every command that God gives us, especially this command to humble ourselves, we are unable to do it ourselves. And the only way we can obey this command is to receive the grace of God. It is a work that God does in you. So the humble response is a surrender to the Almighty God to make you humble to do that work in your heart. You ask him for it. And by the way, it says in James chapter 4, ask to ask and we will receive that, that we have not because we ask not. And so we're not living this life of humility. We struggle with humility because we're not asking God for it. And so here it is there, uh, the inability. It is a work of God. Basically, our role in this is that we're just acknowledging our need for it and submitting ourselves, surrendering ourselves to God for God to do this work into it. You could say that we allow it. Matter of fact, this is taught over in Philippians where Paul talks about Jesus and, and God's work in our lives and it is God who works in us, in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. That he gives us the want to, and he's the one that actually does the work. What work? All of it. All the work. And so to humble ourselves is for us to bow before Jesus and say, Jesus, make me humble like you. In other words, pray for it. Pray for it. The command of humility. But then there's not only the command of humility, there's also the Lord of humility. The Lord of humility. Because what does he say? He says, humble yourself where? In the sight of the Lord. In the sight of the Lord. You see, when you get in the presence of Jesus, 
The proper response is one of humility. Humility and surrender before him. Why? Because, number one, Jesus is our motivation for humility. He is our motivation. Think about it. Think about him. Think about all that he has done for you. Think about the sacrifices he has made for you. Think about the sacrifice he made for you. He died for me. I'm giving him everything. He paid the price for my sin. He forgave me. He called me into relationship with him. And when I die, I get to be with him forever. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of everything that he has done. I want him. I want to do whatever I can to to praise his name, to give thanks unto him, to declare his glory. He's my motivation. He's my, my motivation. He is so good to us. Amen? He's so good to us. Why would we not give him everything? He is the one that, that, that motivates us. Uh, Kyle Reno said this. Uh, he said that, that surrender is not an admission of defeat. Surrender is not just ad- admitting defeat, but surrender is an act of trust. And we can trust God. We can trust the one who loves us. And so we give everything to him, not just, not just saying because we're defeated and he's conquered, but because we want to. He is our motivation. You want to know what true joy is? Every day, every moment of your life, present yourself as an empty vessel to God for him to fill you up and dwell with you. That is life at its best. That is true joy. That is true peace. Surrendering to the one who loves me, the one who deserves it, the one who's been so good to me. He's our motivation. Not only is Jesus our motivation, but Jesus is our example. Our example. Our example in how he lived here on this earth. Did he live a humble life? You bet he did. But humility started before he ever got to this earth. Philippians chapter 2 and... um, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 says this, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. That's a good definition of humility right there. Then he says, Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Why? Then he says this, Let this mind be in you, the one we're just talking about, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's humility. And that is our Jesus. He shows us how to live as a son of God. How do we live as a son of God? We live in complete surrender and humble worship to the one true God, to our Father. Jesus said over and over and over again when he was here on this earth, he said, I do nothing of myself. Nothing of myself. 
He was living a life of humble surrender to the Father. And this is humility. Humility is joining hands with that Jesus and walking with him. And by the way, Jesus gave it all up for us. But you know what? He lost nothing. He lost nothing. Philippians 2 and verse 9. I left off in verse 8. Verse 9 says, Therefore, in response to his humility, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus did not lose anything. Jesus lost nothing. And by the way, if you will humble yourselves and give everything to Jesus, you'll lose nothing. Nothing. Jesus is our example, example, and then Jesus is also our helper. That same Jesus we were just reading about, this Jesus lives in us. This Jesus lives in us. When it talks about humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, that word in the sight, when it talks about being in his sight, what does that mean? That means we are in his presence But in his presence, he's not standing over us, judging us and evaluating everything that we do. He is with us to help us, to work in us, to to teach us, to grow us, to, to, to help us die to our flesh where he's the one that is living and empowering us. It is his presence. You see, we think that we get his presence because we're humble. That's not how it works. We don't get his presence because we're humble. We get his presence to make us humble. He comes in to make us humble. We just need to surrender to the Jesus in us. We just need to follow the Jesus in us. We just need to join hands, not to lead Jesus, but to follow Jesus. And wherever he goes, whatever he wants us to do, whatever he calls upon us to to do, we do that for his glory. You see, he showed us how to live the humble life. And I've, I've read that over and over again in Scripture, the life that he lived. And I tell you one thing I'm crystal clear on. I can't do that. I can't do that. He showed us how to live, but we can't do that. So guess what? When you give your life to Christ, he comes within and he does it. He does it in you and the Father gets the glory. The Lord of humility lives in every believer's heart. And then we see the promise of humility. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and what? And he will lift you up. He will lift you up. See, the way to go up is to first go down. First go down. And he will lift us up. He will exalt us. Why? He'll exalt us for Jesus. We need to be exalted for Jesus, not for me. It's not about me getting, although there is joy in serving the Lord, there is joy in worshiping the Lord. There, there's, we were singing about it earlier. There, there's joy in the house of the Lord, and so there, and there's peace, and there's, 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 there's victory, and there's freedom. There is all these things, but, but we don't do it for me. We do it for him. We, we want you to be lifted up, not for the purpose of exaltation, 
We don't want to just be exalted. We want to be exalted for Him. We want to acknowledge Him. We want to lift Him up. And there's one requirement to be used by God. There's one requirement to exalt Jesus Christ, and that is humility. Humility. See, when God called you to be saved, when God called you to follow Him, He was calling you to die to self and let Him rule in your life. He was calling the life of, with Jesus is a calling to be used up for Him, to exalt Him, to magnify Him, to be burned out for Him, although you can't really be burned out for Him because He continues to renew and He continues to restore. See, this is what we need to be saying, that if I live or if I die, my only cry will Jesus be glorified in me. That is the life that he's called us to. And as we follow this path of humility and let him do that work in our lives, we will be exalted for Jesus. But not only will we be exalted for Jesus, but we, we will be exalted with Jesus. So the Bible teaches that we are in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 says, but God, he talks about all how we were dead in trespasses and sin. But then verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Wow. That's, that's why I choose humility right there. Because of his great love with which he has loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. It is a life with him. For by grace you have been saved. And listen to this. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus that he might show us all that we are with him we are exalted with him exaltation is not the reward he is he is the reward, and in Him is as high as you can get. You can't get any higher than Him. And so when we come to Christ, He does this work of humility, and we are exalted with Him. It's as high as you can get. Christ in you, that is glorious. And us in Christ, that is a participation in all of His glory. So humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up.